Well, we're going to continue a series that uh, I started last week, which is a two-part series, on last days. Uh, I started, I preached at the beginning of the year on preparation, and, and one of the things that's so crucial about preparation is to understand. And that's what I hope today to, to deal with, if you can see uh, on the PowerPoint, last day's events, testimony of God's greatness. And I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy studying about last things, eschatology as as the term is used, the study of last things, because it just declares God's awesomeness and God's greatness. As we get into this, I just want to put a disclaimer. uh, There's much said, much taught in this area, and I do not want to say that I've got the truth. I do, but, but as an elder in this church, all that I can do is preach what I in faith, what I believe and know to be true from my perspective um, and how I see the Word of God. So, you know the normal gist, Romans chapter 3, call every man a liar, and what? Let God be established. Or Acts seventeen eleven, let those in Berea um, were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica because they searched the Scriptures diligently to see whether these things are so. So don't come out of this saying, Rick said... Hopefully you will go, all right, let's examine the Word of God. There's much to look at and much to discuss. Some of it we'll go over quick. Some of it we will not. Um, so there's much confusion. And so there's a series of six events that I, I, I believe the Lord highlighted to me that we, would, that we would look at. The first is right now, this age. And literally, what is it? Because one of the things that we're going to deal with is one term called the tribulation. Because, there, um, you know, you've heard this term, the Great Tribulation. Well, the, the use of that term, to be honest with you, is one of the confusions about Jesus' coming. You'll have people say that Jesus is coming prior to the Tribulation, middle of Tribulation, because the passage in Revelation chapter 7. And then people will say that Jesus is coming after the Tribulation period. And I believe that confusion is caused because of the use of this word tribulation. As I was examining the scriptures, now here we go. This is one of those first things that you've got to call a line and let God be established. But the use of tribulation is not in relationship to a seven-year period after Jesus comes. It's referring to now. Now I want to go through a series of past scriptures and notice this in John 16, 33. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you. That in me you have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take good courage. I have overcome the world. Jesus is telling us one of the characteristics of this world is tribulation. Now notice this passage in um, in First Timothy chapter. I think they can get slid up. Slides needed to be slid up in uh, in Acts chapter uh, uh, fourteen, verse twenty-two. I believe it is where Paul strengthening the souls of disciples, encouraging them. To continue in the faith, saying, through many tribulations, now get this, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. See, one of the characteristics in this world is this facet of going through tribulations. In fact, let me just put a pause here. The Greek word tribulation is the Greek word, the noun would be ellipsis, which literally means to compress, to pressure. It's sort of like if I come up here with Chad on Chad's head and I just start to squeeze his head, pressure his head. That would be the characteristic of tribulation, to squeeze or press. And so, and what's the characteristic here we see in the world. Let's go on, let's look at some other of the passages that it says. Uh, in First Thessalonians, watch this. He says, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. That's the Greek word for tribulation there. So that's what you have to be careful when you look at these things. You have to make sure you go back to the Greek word. And this is the Greek word for tribulation. So that no one would be disturbed by these tribulations, for you yourselves know that we have been, get this, destined for this. For indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer tribulation. And so it came to pass, as you know. Now, it's interesting. And there's a passage we're going to look at a little later in uh, Revelation chapter 7, where it's talking about, us in the midst it's in it's talking about in the middle of the tribulation period or in the tribulation period and there's a description there that where 
John is seeing all these hordes of people and he's asking who it is that is speaking to him. Who are these people? And he makes this statement, and we'll look at it later. It is these who have come out of the great tribulation. That is where people would say that, that rapture occurs in the middle of the tribulation. But watch this, what John says at the very beginning of, of the book of Revelations in John Revelation chapter 1. I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation. The tribulation. See, one of the characteristics that I'm trying to present to you of this age that we, in, that we are in uh, is that of, I'm going to say use this word, a tribulation period. And it is crucial for us to understand this. Paul said, like I looked at in 1 Thessalonians 3.3, 3. You know, we've been purposed for this. Why is it so crucial? Think about Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5, where it talks about uh, we glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. So one of the characteristics of this world is tribulation. Now, the interesting thing, y'all, tribulation, and according to uh, John 16, 33, comes from this world. Well, we know who the ruler of this world is, and that's who? Satan. So guess what? The author of tribulation is Satan. Now God, being his basic cool self, in that he causes all things to work out for good. Now let's go on, because there's a couple passages we've got to address here. These are the ones I was talking about. And I don't want to just brush over it without looking at it. This is the one in Matthew chapter 24, verse 21. And, and, uh, and at the beginning of chapter 24, Jesus is talking with the disciples and he tells them not one stone will left to be on top in relationship to the temple because they're talking about how beautiful it was. And Jesus says, there's not one stone going to be left on top of another. It's going to be wiped out. And the disciples are kind of perplexed at this. And they start asking, they're asking three questions. He says, what is the sign of these events occurring? In other words, Jerusalem being wiped out. What is the sign of your coming? And what is the sign of the end of the age? Three questions he, they ask him. And that's in the middle of this statement, is in the middle of this. Now remember now, the very first statement they're asking him, what is the sign of when Jerusalem is going to be, paraphrased, is going to be wiped out? And in, in other words, persecution in relationship to the Jews. And that's where this Matthew 25, 21, 24, 21 says, There will be a great tribulation such as not has occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Now, key word there is tribulation and the characteristic of it. And one of my convictions, now please call this a lie, let copy established. But this is referring to this period now. Now, y'all, this is not the book of Revelation. That is not what I'm saying. And you'll see the difference later on. But the characteristic of this world, y'all, I don't care what you do, it's, it's trouble. Now, think about it in relationship to the Jews, where the book of Matthew is written in relationship to. Since the beginning of the world, the Jews have not faced tribulation in this last 2,000 years as they ever have, before or ever after. They've been singled out, and literally, like it says in Matthew 25, I mean Luke 22, 21, Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot. And we'll look at that a little later. And be turned over to the nations. Let's go on. Let me show you this in Matthew 24, 29. Here's the statement is, the tribulation of these days, immediately after the tribulation of these days, and it talks about Jesus coming. We'll look at that a little later. And notice the next one. This is the one I was telling you about in Revelation 7, 14. It says, I said to him, my Lord, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. Now, I'm going to say, I'm going to present to you this. Again, call it a lie, let God be established. But it refers to this period of time right now. My conviction is now. This is something I've taught differently in years past. And I may come back and repent to you in a future date. But what my understanding right now in the Word of God, this period of time we're in right now is a time in reference to tribulation. Now, this seven years, what is that? We'll look at it a little later. 
Another thing I want you to pick out about this period of time, it's very important when we're talking about last days. Uh, let's go on to the next slide, if you would, please. Is this time we're in is referred to the time of the Gentiles. See, when Jews crucified Jesus, he came to his own, and his own received him not. And they crucified him, delivered him up. And notice this, as a result, they will fall by the edge of the sword. And when led captive into all the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. A crucial period of time. When Jesus died on the cross, until it will be fulfilled. In other words, the main focus of the gospel has been through to been through the Gentiles. Because notice this in 1125, during this period of time, notice this, a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So it's strong, if we could put a map out here, you know, in the air, like you got the beginning of time, call the way up to the time Jesus comes and he dies on the cross, this period of time from here forward until some point in time, which we'll look at in a, in a second, where the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled, there's a partial hardening occurred to the nation of Israel, to Jews, that where their eyes are veiled to the gospel. Now, individual Jews can believe, like we've got, I mean, like Shane Lefkowitz. He's a Jew, but he has come to believe Jesus is Lord and Savior. But as a whole, the nation of Israel is veiled. Their eyes are veiled to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But a time will be when the times of Gentiles is fulfilled. That will change. Now, what is this time? Now, this is something very important. Watch this. There's a prophecy in Hosea 6.12 that's referring to this period of time. Notice it. He has wounded us, but he will bandage us. This is Israel talking. He says, he will revive us after two days. On the third, he will raise us up on the third day. Oh, that's big. I like that. Now think about this, y'all. This is Jews. They will be cut off for two days. Now we know that in 2, Corinthians, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, prophetic years, I mean days, can be what? 1,000 years. So it says that Israel will be cut off for two days. How many days is that? Years. 2,000 years. Well, now let me just run this off real quick. That's Jewish years. 360-day years. So you multiply that out and put it back in the 365-day year. That comes out to around 1973, 1974. But Jesus, y'all, was crucified... On what? About A.D. 30. Not 33. He was 33 when he died, but he was born before he was really born in the calendar. <laughs> he was like born A.D. Um, B.C. 3 or 4. I can't remember the exact date on that. So somewhere around 30, 33, Jesus, uh, this, uh, y'all, these two days was up. Two days. Now, y'all, you can say, oh, Jesus should be all right back. Well, uh, rest assured, what does it say? On the third day, he'll what? So somewhere, y'all, between now and somewhere around 3,005, he comes back. So you tell him Rick Sizemore has predicted that Jesus is coming back. I'm confident somewhere within the next 1,000 years he will be here. So, so, so you got it. I prophesied it. So when it comes to pass, you say, but anyway, let's go on. But, but as interesting about this period of time, the times of the Gentiles. Another thing that I want to speak to you and establish about this age, about signs of his coming. Now, I give, it grieves my heart about the discussion about Jesus coming, the signs of the times. In fact, the thing that was in Japan recently, one of the things I heard, oh, is this a sign of Jesus the last days? No. Notice this passage. There, there, this, is, this is the Luke version of the Matthew 24 passage I was showing you. 
Teacher, when, when therefore will these things happen? What will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, see to it that no one misleads you. Now, in the Matthew passage, Jesus says, there'll be earthquakes and famines and distress. He says, don't let these things disturb you. There are many in the beginning of the birth pangs. But go on. I'm going to come back to this passage. See to it that you're not misled. For many will come in my name saying, I am he. And get this. The time is what? Near. Many will say, the time is near. Now, y'all, how many sermons have I preached on going, oh, it's near. And it's near. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I'm telling you, I think we get messed up looking for and declaring, oh, it's near, it's near. Oh, the, the wars in the Middle East are north. Now, Jesus said, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. <laughs> but don't let this bother you. And this goes on. He says, when you hear of wars and disturbances, don't be terrified, for these meet must things must take place. But notice that next statement. But the end does not follow immediately. Now let's go on to the next slide. Now here is what I say is the signs of his coming. Notice the bottom passage in 1 Thessalonians 5.3. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them. Suddenly, labor pains upon a woman with a child. They will not escape. Now, notice the passage above it. But of the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be like the days of Noah. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving and marrying. One of the other passages talks about in, in the days of Lot. You know, they were building, they were, they were giving, just list off all this stuff, and you can see these things. Everything was just sort of cut into this ease. Now, So my conviction is, y'all, the sign of his coming is not wars and rumors of wars. It's just when everything starts cruising out. So, y'all, when we have earthquakes and people are saying it's coming, or when we have, like, terrorist events, oh, this is signs of his coming and judgments of coming. No. When war breaks out in the Middle East, I say this, no. But I say this, but peace in the Middle East breaks out. That's what these events in the Middle East right now are very interesting to me about. I don't know what's going to happen. I I cannot see that or discern that. But it is interesting to me. I am hearing people, Muslims, in the midst of Islamic countries crying out, freedom? And so there's this place of freedom and peace is it possibility the precursors so so about this time I just wanted to get some things to establish we're not going to look for the, the traumatic events the wars to tell us that the time is near peace and safety another thing I want to say before I go on my conviction is in relationship to the Jews and to a great extent and for us this period of time we're in now can be considered tribulation. And I'll show you why I say this a little later, even more. And, the, and also consider the times of the Gentiles. Now let's go on to Jesus coming. Now, there's four things that we don't need to go into details about Jesus coming. But that you need to know that, that Jesus coming represents and why that event is so important. First one is, in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, where he comes with a shout and the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall meet them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Y'all, we're going to be with him. That's the first thing about his coming to realize. Us and those whom we, who have gone on before us in Christ Jesus. Notice the second one is, physical transformation into spiritual beings in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where it talks about in a twinkling eye we will all be changed that which is mortal shall take on immortality so we take on spiritual bodies 
Y'all, why is that so significant? Because y'all, my understanding during the, when Jesus comes back and we're taken out of here, y'all, we're going into heaven. Well, y'all, flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So we have to be changed if we're going to experience it there. So that's very crucial. Now, here is the next passage. If you would, turn me your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. And I didn't put this passage out. And also Zechariah. Now, here is crucial. When Jesus comes, oh, he comes, I'm going to say this, he comes, he makes an appearance twice. And it's important for us to understand the distinction between the two. In 24, 29, and this is a passage I already looked at. And in Zechariah chapter 12, get there. In 24, 29, watch this. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then, <coughs> excuse me, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. It's important. He will appear where? In the sky. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall meet Him in the clouds. Now watch this. And it goes on. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on clouds as with with power and great glory. Now, I don't know what version you have, but the Greek word there is for tribes. Also, in the New Testament, the Greek word for tribes is never used for any other people group other than the Jews. So what's happening here is that when Jesus comes, and instantly, we're taken out. We're changed in a twinkling of eye. All of a sudden, Brian's changed. Woo! And he becomes, his body is, whoo, new. And he's taken out. And there he goes to meet Jesus in the clouds. But the reality is the Jews who do not know Jesus will look and they will mourn. Well, why will they mourn? Look at this Old Testament prophecy of this event in, in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, where it says, I will pour on the house of David... And on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of great grace and supplication, so that they will look on me, whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and weep bitterly over him. In other words, what's going to happen is the Jews who have not known Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they will see Jesus in the sky and they will look and they'll go, He was it. He was the Messiah. And they'll mourn. Now y'all, and I will show, I could show you another passage of Scripture where it talks about the world. The world. And the world will not repent to turn to Jesus. The world hearts, in fact, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 the world's hearts will be hardened. If they heard the gospel, their hearts will be hardened that they will believe a lie. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, about verse 8 or 9. But so, in other words, what happens is, and one of my convictions is, the end of the times of the Gentiles is Jesus coming. That is the event that triggers the Jews to repent. Now let's go on. Another thing about why Jesus' coming is so important. If you're in Zechariah, it's easy to go to Isaiah chapter 26. And I read this passage uh, last time I preached. In Isaiah 26, it's a phenomenal passage of Scripture where it's an Old Testament prophecy regarding the rapture. And look at it in Isaiah 26. I don't have it up here. But it says this, your dead will live, your corpses will rise. The dead in Christ shall rise first. It says, you who lie in the dust, awake, shout for joy, your dew is of the dawn. Verse 20, come my people, enter your rooms, close your doors behind you, hide for a little while. Here's a key phrase, 
until indignation runs its course. That's a key word that you'll lodge it, put over here on the side of your mind. Until indignation runs its course. Behold, the Lord is about to come from His place. Now, y'all, this seven-year period that has traditionally in the past been referred to as the tribulation period, I don't, I'm right now, I'm not calling it the tribulation period. I'm calling it the time of wrath and judgment. Because this passage will tell you, and we'll look at it in the book of Revelations here in a few minutes. For behold, the Lord is about to come out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. Notice the other thing. This is the main purpose of the tribulation period, this next statement. The earth will reveal her bloodshed and, the sl- and no longer cover her slain. It's interesting to me. I think it is six times, I may have the number incorrect, six times during the book of Revelations from chapter 6 till chapter 19, it, there's references to the shedding of innocent blood, to the blood of the martyrs, to those who have been shed innocently. It's crazy. So anyway, why the, Jesus' coming is significant for us is that we are taken out of the way. Come, my people, enter into your room until indignation runs its course. Because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I believe it is verse 8, it says this, God has not destined us for wrath. Now, another, put that passage beside you. Also in Revelations chapter, oh, I'm sorry, Revelations chapter, chapter something. Somewhere in the book of Revelations. Oh, man. My, my, my. Oh, yeah. Wait, nope. Chapter 3. It says this. 3. Because you have kept my... 3.10. Because you have kept my word of my perseverance, I will keep you from the hour of testing, which is about to come upon the whole world. And so, y'all, one of the crucial things about Jesus coming is the removal of the body of Christ. From the, tri- from the things that are about to come on the world, as, as, as Daniel refers to as Jacob's trouble, a seven-year period of time. So, uh, let's chart this out. This period of time now, my characterization of this period of time is a time of tribulation. Jesus comes. Now, let's talk about this seven-year period of time. Now, y'all, I could spend... I could spend two weeks on this seven-year period of time and go into the seven years and stuff like that. But there's only some things that God was just really bringing, having me to bring out about this period of time. First off, this period of time is referred to as a time of judgment. If you'll notice up at the top there, time of judgment. Thirteen times there's reference to this being a time of the judgment of God. Y'all. In six, what is that? Six through nineteen, thirteen chapters. One chapter per one time, at least one time per chapter. Many times, it's not mentioned in chapters, but it's a it's a period of time in relationship to judgment. This is an example. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal underneath the altar, the the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God, because of the testimony they had maintained. Going down, what's this? How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging? and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Now, remember the Isaiah passage? Now, y'all, I just picked one passage out. I could have gone and got one of those 13 and just picked it out and showed you how this period of time from this, when after Jesus comes, is a time of judgment for the shedding of innocent blood. In fact, there's a judgment in Revelations 11 for those who destroy the earth. So, there, y'all, this deal about Taking care of the earth, <laughs> I think God really kind of is kind of uh, it's important to Him we take care of His place He built. So uh, there's a judgment in relationship to that. Now let's go on. The second thing you'll see referenced in the the, the this seven year period of time it's a time of wrath. Now y'all, I'm big about the character and nature of God, about God being a God of loving kindness and truth. The foundations of his throne are justice and righteousness. But y'all, that's what's going on during the tribulation period. A time of justice and righteousness. And notice the phrase here, wrath. Now, it's interesting. There's three major types of things that, that appear in the book of Revelations. 
bowls, trumpets, and seals. In fact, I spoke them out of order. It's seals, trumpets, and bowls. And there's, like when Jesus, the Lamb of God, starts breaking the seals. Notice this passage in the first in chapter 6. This is after the seventh seal. And it's a summary statement. Notice this. And they said to the mountains, this is the people who are on the earth, and to the rocks, fall on us, hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of their wrath, their wrath, God the Father and the Lamb of God, their wrath has come and who's able to stand. So this tribulation period is a time of judgment. Well, this, I already said it. This period of time, this seven-year period of time is a time of judgment and a time of wrath. Now, notice this other one in relationship to the... I uh, pulled this one out in relationship to the trumpets, and I'm sorry. I, then I heard a loud voice, a temple saying to the seven angels, Go pour out... What is that passage? I'm sorry, y'all. I need to fix that. Time up. It's 16.1. Sorry about that. Sixteen one says, I heard a loud voice from the temple saying, yep. You got it? Oh, good. Go pour out on the earth the seven bowls of wrath. So what you're seeing is the seven bowls that come out of heaven, or notice what they are. They're bowls of wrath that are poured out on the earth. Now, let me reemphasize this, y'all. What's happening is on the earth during this period of time when Jesus comes and takes the church out. There's many things that happen where the 144,000 Jews are sealed and, and, it's, and it's declared over them. Don't touch them. Don't touch them. Then there's all kind of crazy things that happen. But what is going on, this is a period of time of judgment and wrath. From who? God. Now, let me ask you a question. When we see tribulation, it's in relationship to the world and the ruler of this world. Big difference, y'all. We are not purposed for wrath. We're not destined for it. Yeah, praise God. This is not us. We hope. I'm going to bet on theology. <laughs> yeah. This is the one I want. But this ain't why I believe in it. Because I'm convinced of the Word of God in relationship to it. But anyway, so this period of time is judgment and wrath. But it is also of something else. And I could reverse the order in this. It's a period of time in relationship to Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Notice this uh, passage of Scripture in, in Revelation 16, 13. I saw... Y'all... The Lord gave me this past scripture Monday morning. Remember what I preached last week? There are four spirits that's been gone out into the world. And remember I told y'all there's an overarching spirit. It's the spirit of Antichrist. And out of it comes the three. Jezebel, uh, Absalom, and apostasy. Watch this. I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. That's, that's the spirit of Antichrist. Watch this. Three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the world. So go out to the kings of the world to deceive. Now watch this. Why? To gather them together for war of the great day of God the Almighty. Now y'all, what's happening in the tribulation period? The earth is revealing its bloodshed every act of injustice or unrighteousness that ever occurred on the face of this earth, y'all, is dealt with in relationship to the nations. Individually, things are dealt with. Not totally there, what I just said. But in other words, in relationship to the nations and the shedding of innocent blood, the earth will reveal its blood shed. Wrath and judgment are coming. The avenging of shedding of innocent blood is atoned for. The judgments of, the, of a church that's a false prophet is being dealt with. I don't want to go into that deal. There's many things that people preach about. What is the false prophet? What is the one world religion that appears up during this seven-year period of time? There are some interesting statements about that. 
that I don't want to go into at this point in time. But whatever it is, this, the false prophet deals with mightily and deceives many. And many signs and wonders occur out of this. Now, but the purpose of this period of time, this seven-year period of time, is the revealing of Satan. All of his cards are laid out on the table. It's like, y'all, it's like if you want to get rid of a big rat, put out some bait. Draw them out, and then get them. The movie, uh, one of my, one of a movie I really enjoyed watching, The Ghost in the Darkness. I don't know if you ever watched that movie. When I first saw the title, I said, I don't want to see it. It's about ghosts. But it's not about ghosts. It's about in Africa, they were building a bridge and about these two lions who were terrorizing the people who were building the, the bridge. Supposedly a true story. These two lions. And, and Val Kimmer was in it and uh, Jeff, Jeff Bridges? Michael Douglas is in it. And they try to kill these two lions. Before they kill these lions, what they would do is they would draw them out. Out into the out, out, and then they kill him. And that's what the deal is here. During this seven-year period of time, all of a sudden, restraint is removed. Now, I'm going to quote a past scripture that we don't have. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 talks about this. Oh, it says, it talks about the man of lawlessness will not be revealed until he who restrains him is taken out of the way. Now, you look at that Second Thessalonians passage, he who restrains him is the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit, He, is taken out of the way, the man of lawlessness is revealed. Remember this point in time right here? Jesus coming. I could have gone this. When y'all, we're taken out of the way because the Holy Spirit will never be taken us from us. But the Holy Spirit is removed. Then He, who re, he the one who restrains Him, the Antichrist will be revealed in this seven-year period of time. And then, right at the end, that's when everything pops. And let's go to the next thing is that when Jesus comes to this earth. Now, let's review this. This period of time right now, tribulation, Jesus comes. Jesus comes. Seven years, a period of time of judgment and wrath, and also the revelation, the, the unveiling of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet are revealed. But at that very end, uh, this is when things get bigger and bigger. Jesus comes in this passage in Revelations 19.11 where it says, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true and righteousness he judges and wages war. And the armies which are in heaven, and I, anytime you see me put dots in there, I couldn't put all the pastor scripture in this slide so I dot dotted. And the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white horse and clean, are following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that we may, so that with it he may strike down the nations. And now watch this. He will rule them with a rod of iron and treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of the God Almighty. This is the culmination event of the seven-year period of time. I mean, right here, where he comes out, and with the word of his mouth, he slays. It's like in 2 Thessalonians where this man of lawlessness where with the breath of his mouth he's destroyed Jesus. And we're coming behind him. We think we're big and bad. The armies of heaven but Jesus is just doing it all herself. He's cleaning clock. The nations have been raised up against him. Yeah, Tom? Turn to Jesus. I mean, during the seven-year period, because there's no believers left in the earth, right? They're all gone, right? There's there's 144. Ooh, I'm sorry, 144,000 that are sealed, and they do start declaring the gospel. And uh, but let me read this Second Thessalonians passage. That if if somebody has heard the gospel and refused it prior to Jesus coming. He who taken away, listen to this very, very carefully. It says, uh, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The 2 Thessalonians 2, 7. 
Only he who restrains it will do so until he's taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth to bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. One whose coming is in accordance with the activity of Satan, all power, signs, and false wonders, and deception for those who perish because they did not. Here it is, Tom. Those who did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false in order that they might be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. Now, the interesting thing is, is this. is people who received the truth are gone. People who have heard the truth and refused it, delusion will be sent over them. They'll believe what's false. They will receive the mark of the beast. And when they receive the mark of the beast, the mark of 666, they have eternal damnation. But there are people on the earth who at this period of time have never heard. These 144,000 will proclaim the gospel. They can be saved. But what the cost is, y'all, the cost of salvation during the tribulation period is blood. Only the problem is what? Not theirs. What blood? How is it done? What happens to tribulation period? Anybody know? If you don't, re- if you don't receive the mark of the beast... I'm, yeah, thank you, Tom. Yeah, I keep causing confusion. That's my old habits. This seven-year period of time of wrath and judgment. Thank you. How is, what happens if somebody does not receive the mark of the beast? Huh? Do what? Beheaded. They're beheaded. You know, I should have gone, I could have gone into more details about this. But so, Tom, those who do not receive the mark of the beast are beheaded. Those are the ones that you see that their souls are in the throne crying out. They're in the tribulation period, avenging their blood. You'll see us in Revelation chapter 19. Look at toward the end. There's these ones who did not receive the mark. So, uh, yeah, there will be people being saved. But the, the difference is a great cost. It'll be to them. So, and I want to go to this Zechariah passage. If you would turn your Bibles. Oh, I think I have it. Zechariah 14. Now remember Zechariah 12.10? We looked at that. Talked about they will look on him in whom they have pierced. Now look at this parallel passage in Zechariah 14. Now remember, two things. One, Jesus appears in the clouds. We're gathered to him. Then there's another where Jesus comes and he comes and he lands on the Mount of Olives. Now look at it. Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoil will be taken and you will be divided among you. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. Now, that is when all these nations are gathered together against Jesus when he comes out of heaven on a horse. Now watch this. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on the day of battle. In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east, and on the Mount of Olives will be split in two. Now y'all, is it the eastern gate that we have in the walls of Jerusalem right now that's rocked up? That's the only thing. If you see Jerusalem, there's a gate, and it's rocked up, and the Muslims did it. Why? Because that's the declaration that where the Messiah will come in. But I, I hate to tell him this. A few rocks is not going to keep him out. If the Mount of Olives gets split in two, <laughs> dude. <laughs> and if he slays the armies of the earth with the breath of his mouth, what's a little wall going to stop him? I mean, this is awesome. When he comes to this earth, and at this point in time, y'all, a couple of events that will occur, first off, is the Antichrist and the false prophet will be yanked up and they who would have been deceiving, that's just a passage in Revelation 19.20. Let's go on to the next passage. It says, And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast. And those who worshipped his image, these two were thrown into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. These are the first two people in hell. First two. It's inhabited at this time. Hell is inhabited at this time. Hell was not prepared for man. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41. 
But these two, the false prophet and the Antichrist, when Jesus comes down, he slays the nations and he slays the Antichrist physically, but in the spirit, he's taken and he's thrown the lake of fire forever. Bless God. He's kicked out. But, interesting thing, and I don't have the verses for this, but if you also notice in Revelations 19, Satan is then bound and thrown into a bottomless pit for 1,000 years. Jesus, at this point in time, rules. And if you would open your Bibles to 19, and we're going to finish out, look, using it. And in 19, well, we'll go to chapter 20. Because then we have the time. The next event you need to be aware of is the final judgment. In Revelations 20, verse 7, where we see Satan is loosed from the bottomless pit. He comes out. I don't understand this totally, y'all. This thousand-year period of time where Jesus rules the earth with redeemed and unredeemed, I'm gonna, let me explain this, with, with spiritual beings roaming the earth physically, us, and also flesh and blood beings on the earth who did not get waxed in this period of time when Jesus comes back in this battle. And you see him ruling with it for a thousand years. And y'all, I don't believe that is, uh, that is a type. I believe it's a thousand years. There's Old Testament prophecies regarding this passage also. But Satan is then loosed from, this, from the bottomless pit. You see in 20 verse 17. And, uh, and he will come out and deceive the nations of the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and gather them together for war. And then you see in verse 10, the devil who deceived and was thrown into the lake of fire brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented night and day. That's interesting. Forever. Yeah, John. If the beast and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. The beast, the beast is the Antichrist. He is the Antichrist. The false prophet is the one who deceived. So anytime you see reference to beast, that's the Antichrist. Or a little horn in Daniel chapter 7. So uh, he's the Antichrist. So interesting thing, y'all. Notice that is. They're tormented forever. Now, I, I don't have the passage I could pull up for you, but in Luke, where Jesus is teaching them about marriage, the disciples about marriage, and he's talking about how that... Uh, that that when you go to heaven, you're like the angels who never die. Never, quote, cease to exist. So literally, we're seeing the false prophet and the Antichrist thrown like a fire. Satan then, at this point in time, is thrown like a fire. At this time, y'all, in Revelations 20, verse 11, I saw the great white throne judgment and him who sat on it, whose presence heaven and earth fled away, and no place was found for them. Everyone, y'all, at this point in time, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The books were open, and the dead were judged according to things that were written in the book. And notice what's in the book, the deeds. And then there's another book, the book of life. And if anybody's name was not found written in the book of life, notice in Revelations 20, 15, anyone's name was not written in the book of life. He was thrown into the lake of fire. So, here you are. Everything's sorted out. Now, let me just take a little commercial here. Judgment. This is the final judgment. Well, what about us who... If you... All of a sudden, get the rapture occurs, and you're taken out. How are you judged then? What is, what is the judgment then? And if you'll notice in John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, it talks about if somebody does not believe in Jesus, they have been judged already. In other words, really, literally, when the rapture occurs, there is a form of judgment that occurs. Do you know, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life or not? At that point in time. And taken up. And resurrected. 
but at this place, and I don't have time to go into the details of it, but it's where, where literally judgment in relationship to deeds occur simultaneously with names being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, let me just speak this real quick. For by grace are you saved? What? Through what? Faith. Works. Each one is judged according to their works. But you've got to realize this. The foundational work of God is to, according to John chapter 6, where the disciples said to Jesus, what is it that we can do the works of God? And Jesus says, this is the work of God, that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he whom he has sent. Believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is considered a work. In fact, it talks about it in First Thessalonians. It calls this work of faith. Work of faith. So, anyway, at this time, y'all, judgment occurs. And then the exciting point for me is new heaven and new earth. Let's go to the next slide. Go to the, yeah. Watch this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in a night, which with the heavens will pass away with the roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. The earth and its works will be burned up because which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intensity. Get this, y'all. The earth and the what? Heavens will melt. Now, the sun is hot. How much hotter can it get? Hot. Have enough? Enough? The sun itself is melted. God is powerful. Man, he's powerful. And get this. Because which the heavens will be destroyed by burning, the elements will melt with intensity. According to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Y'all, no more unrighteousness. No more. Go to the next slide. In the new heaven and new earth. In Revelations 21, Behold, I heard a loud voice saying, this is where we're talking about the new heavens and the new earth came, and behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. They shall be his people. God himself will be among him, them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will no longer, and there will no longer be any death. No more any death. Hey, y'all, by the way, why is there no longer any death? Two reasons. Why is there no longer any death? First off, what? No sin. It's melted. It's fried. Second thing is, interesting, where's the spirit of death? <laughs> He's burning. Jesus coming. New heavens, new earth. Now, last days. Now, let me just run through what we did. There were six events that I felt like that God was highlighting or for to have a basic understanding. Again, the warning is for you this, to call this a lie, let God be established. But this period of time that we're in right now, my understanding, is a time of tribulation. John himself calls that this. He's a fellow partaker of the tribulation with us. Jesus comes. He comes to, to be us to be with Him. He comes to transform us to the likeness of Him. We know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. He also, at that point in time, the Jews will look on whom they have pierced, and there they will repent. For we are taking up into heaven until indignation runs its course for seven years. During this seven-year period of time, it's a time declared as wrath, judgment, and the revelation of Satan and the false prophet and the Antichrist during this period of time. At the end of it, everything is dealt with. Jesus comes to this earth. His feet will hit and land on the Mount of Olives. Dude, it would be really cool if while I'm in Lebanon, he does that. I'm sure I could see it. Man, that would be cool. 
honeysuckle. He comes. There the false prophet and the Antichrist are thrown into the lake of fire. There Satan is bound hand and foot for a thousand years. Jesus rules on this earth for a thousand years. At the end of a thousand years, there Satan is loose from the bottomless pit, deceives, released and deceives the nation. They rise up against the, Jesus and the armies of God. There God, the Father, out of heaven, bust head big time. That's it. No longer. He plays around. That's it. No longer. That's it. Out of it. Satan is then cast in the lake of fire with the false prophet and the Antichrist. There at the last judgment, where the books are open and every one of us are judged by the books. After that period of time, y'all, we come out. I don't know how he's going to hide us, but we get to see the most awesome firework display ever. The heavens and the earth will melt with a fervent heat. And there, y'all, it'll be an earth and heavens where righteousness does dwell. Also, it's a place where death is no longer present. It's a place that where he'll wipe away every tear of our eyes. It's a place that where he says, Behold, I make all things, what? New. Now, y'all, my heart in declaring these things was to give us a framework to ask questions, to evaluate. Paul makes this statement in in uh, second, whew, second Thessalonians chapter three, I believe it is. Not five one. I'm sorry, first Thessalonians five one. It says, Now as to the times and epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now, y'all, I believe this. I don't know how soon it is, and I don't want to say something. I, I hope it is right now. I hope it is right now, Jesus, to come. But I know this, that we're in times that are going to get more and more intense, that there'll be more and more deception coming out. And it's so important for the body of Christ to not be yanked like a chain back and forth when hard times come on the earth. But y'all, that our focus is on the Lord. And we understand the times. We don't need anyone to write us concerning these things because you know full well. And so that, you know, we've spoken these things, so hopefully there's a framework that you can be prepared to deal with the circumstances, however long it may be until Jesus comes. Now, I want to I wanna do this in this way. Our John and Tom have already done this. Now, y'all, are there any questions? Because that is where understanding can come out. I just want to clarify, everyone will be judged. The righteous, the saints, will be judged by their good works. Well, we hope it's good works. Because, now, now John, let's take this, like First, First Peter chapter 4, verse 1, it says, judgment must begin with the household of God. So judgment will begin with us. But in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it said, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give account for the things we've done in our body, whether they be good or bad. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, following, says, talks about, how uh, that no man, no foundation a man can lay but as other in Christ Jesus. And it goes on, it says, if any man builds on the foundation with wood, hay, silver, gold, something like that, there's these elements. And if he builds on it, it says fire will test the quality of each man's work. And then it goes on to say, it says, how does it say it? It says, uh, I test the quality of each man's work. And it talks about how our works will go through the fire. And it says this. It says, if his works are not, if they are burned up, he shall suffer loss. Yet as though through the fire. So in other words, there's believers in Jesus Christ who have built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, which cannot be burned up. We, Y'all, we, like this church. Oh, we're going to build a big church. Yes, that's it. Yes, that's our work. 
Well, if our work is to build this big church, guess what? It's going to be what? Burned up. If our work is to build a ministry, it's going to be what? Burned up. But if our work is people, and we're laying up for sales treasures in heaven, guess what? The work will not be burned up. And we will receive a reward. Can't run. I have a question. Um, so I thought that there's two judgments. There's a judge, like times for judgment. A judgment now for believers so that we can repent and get ourselves, you know, um, righteous, supposedly. And then a judgment at the, like a final judgment at the end. So my question is, is when it says the seven years of God's judgment and wrath, so is that now, so there's three times of judgment that God does? What Karen is talking about, there are two facets of judgment in relationship to believers. Judgment that occurs right now. 1 Corinthians 11.32 talks about when we're judged by the Lord, we're disciplined by Him in order that we may not be what? condemned along with the world. Right now in the courtroom of heaven, our thoughts, words, or actions are judged before the Lord. There Satan accuses us before our God day and night. There Jesus intercedes for us. There they're judged. But the, the purpose of that judgment is that we be taught in order that we may not be condemned. Now the, the second facet of what Karen's talking about of the believer is at the end of the age. The purpose of that judgment is recompense. So Karen, what my understanding is, you'll see this term in Scripture, the great day of the Lord, which is, which culminates at the judgment seat of Christ. But it begins when Jesus comes back. You'll see this in 2 Thessalonians, where this judgment occurs, and literally what Karen, where is, what, and, I, and I said this quick, but it's literally the judgment of the nations and the judgment of, on the earth those who dwell on the earth not individually and so that's the thing that occurs but it culminates in Revelations 20 with the great white throne judgment that's a good question it's a hardcore question that's a good question I just wanted to ask I know uh, Jesus says in one of the gospels to watch I think watch for his coming how how are we to do like watching you know everyday life Fall in love with him. Fall in love with him. I love the passage that says there's a crown of righteousness laid up for those who love his appearing. Just fall in love with him. I mean, y'all, just think about this. When I get on an airplane, I go to go overseas. I have to guard my heart because if I get over there and I start allowing myself to wish I was with Paula, I'm cooked goose. But about when I get to day two or three before I leave, all of a sudden I'll let my heart go. And I have to be careful in that. But I just, what's happening is I'm just, I'm just falling in love with the one I'm in love with. And so in us, y'all, it's all about love. Him coming, uh, uh, y'all, about Jesus coming, don't, that's one of the things I try to bring out today. Don't start looking for his coming to get us out of this mess. That's like Chad and Desiree. They're engaged. It's like Desiree going, oh, yeah, I, I just want to get out of my house. I just want to get, you know, just get in a safe place. And so I'm going to fall in love with Chad. How's that going to make Chad feel? But the, the glory is she gets, she's falling in love with Chad. As a benefit, she gets all this stuff. And so looking for his coming, y'all, it's all expression of love. Falling, looking finally face to face, being able to see the one face to face whom gave it all for, I like this, us. That's a good question, Ron. We got a closed shop. And we could ask questions and stir up this all day long. But I, I want to, if anybody's got anything they want to pray about, you don't know that if Jesus came today, this is how I got. Dude, I don't want to be left behind. You know, that kind of bit. We can sing the song, I wish we'd all been ready. You know. <laughs> but I don't, 
wear my long hair out and put my mod pants on and stuff like that. Never mind. But if anybody has something they want to pray about, we'll be up here. So let me pray. Father, I just want to thank you for being with my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And Lord, I pray for just clarity that for everybody in their minds and thought, Lord, to be able to sort out what is truth. The Word of God. Lord, let it not be said, Rick said. Lord, let it be said what the Word of God says. And Lord, if, uh, if I have said anything that's contrary to the, the fullness of the truth of Your Word, Lord, I cry out for mercy and I pray for revelation. But Lord, we pray... We do know this without a shadow of a doubt. The hope of your coming is sure and steadfast. The reality that you as the sovereign God has put a point at a time when you have fixed that you will judge the world. So Lord, we just thank you that we know you. You are the one who says to us, come into your secret place. You are a safe place for us. But Lord, for those who practice unrighteousness, and in delight in the shedding of blood, in the in the in the afflicting of harm, and and not caring for the homeless and the and the broken and the wounded, Lord, your heart breaks, and those you will take vengeance on their behalf. And Lord, let it be with us that we align ourselves with you in the character fullness of your character and your righteousness. I thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless y'all. And I'll be up front up here.